Hey, everybody, you're listening to Top Quartile, where we bring you stories from the front lines of growth in community-focused financial services. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of Top Quartile. I'm Dan Marks. I'm the president of Fusion and uh, your host today. And today we've got Amber Fielder. Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so as we get started, tell tell the listeners just a little bit about your background, kind of your progression and, and what led to your current role as CMO there at, at the USE Credit Union. Sure. So um, I started my career in marketing project management um, at an agency. So I got the opportunity there to work with really amazing marketers across some of the top brands at Procter & Gamble. Uh, I was really able to use that as my foundation for my career. Uh, After a few years, I moved to the corporate side of things and finally back in 2013, moved into financial services. Uh, last year, I stepped into my current role as Chief Marketing Officer at USE, and now I lead a great team uh, in charge of all of our marketing, community, investment services, deposit, and facility management efforts. And so what, and we'll talk, we'll talk more about that path that took you as to CMO. Um, what is one fascinating fact that most people don't know about you? So while I... I think everybody kind of assumes that I have a marketing degree. I do. I have an undergraduate degree in marketing, but my MBA was actually focused on sustainability. So I am really passionate around creating balance uh, within just the overall corporate landscape and making sure that we can really bring the whole person to work, but also that we are focused on the environment that is sustaining that work as well. So most people find that a little interesting and ask me like, so sustainability, really? <laughs> there you go. But uh, it, yeah, it's a great point, you know, and probably very particularly relevant in today's, uh, all the discussion around, you know, just all the topics around sustainability, not just environmental sustainability, but workplace and everything else. So that's awesome. Right. What has growth been like recently at USC? Oh, well, it has been tough. Um, we've had to shift a lot over the last several years. As we know, financial services is a highly competitive industry anyway, but being made to shift in ways many of us weren't quite ready for um, over the last several years is really taken some getting used to. Uh, I feel like we are finally truly stepping into the new normal after the pandemic and able to move past survival mode. And you guys recently went through uh, a little bit of a brand change, didn't you? We did. So can you tell us much about that? A couple of years ago, we went through a brand evolution. So it wasn't a full rebrand. Um, we definitely had some inconsistencies that, you know, oftentimes come as brands mature and different sets of leadership are in and out. They all kind of add their flavor to that brand. And if you're not careful, you're going to get a little bit murky and get things uh, shifted up a little bit. So we did the work to make sure our look, feel, and voice really matched who we felt we were, and more importantly, who consumers saw us as. It wasn't a huge change, uh, but we have received some really great feedback from our members on the changes that we have made. So I'm honestly most proud of how we shifted to more inclusive imagery. Uh, we had members reach out and really thank us for representing people that they could relate to and them being able to see themselves in our marketing and different product imagery. And like you said, it's a 
brands can have a journey. You know, a lot of times people right. think about the brand change. I think about some of the thing, some of the brand changes I've gone through, and it's like there's a lot of focus on the actual event when something changes, the logo or the the signage or whatever. But a lot of work goes into it, and then a lot of work goes behind. It's like the or the the iceberg is people think about what's above, but not all the stuff that's uh, that goes in the foundation. So right, and there are so many different elements to it too. No, no. Yeah. You're hundred percent. So many different elements. And one of those elements. So how did you use, you know, kind of member behavior, either research around the attitudes or analytics to inform, you know, just your overall marketing and brand strategy? As you know, like we're all constantly collecting data. Um, and really, if you listen, consumers in general are telling you what they want. And just with the sheer amount of data that we pull in on our members, you're getting an even louder message than you would with a general consumer. So we use everything from transaction counts and transaction types to credit report monitoring and activity changes to really help determine what our members want and how they would prefer us to uh, speak with them. So we're sure to provide them with relevant recommendations. Um, We really want to partner. And part of that means really anticipating their needs and being there when they are ready to take that action. Were there any kind of surprising insights in that work? Honestly, one of the things that I, I think I find most surprising is that there aren't that many surprises. <laughs> that you look at the data and <laughs> it's you look at the data and it's it's almost, you know, that confirmation where you're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And yeah, that makes sense. And it's kind of, you know, why wasn't I doing this yeah. sooner? Why haven't I been doing this longer? Because it totally makes sense. And now I have a better idea of not only, you know, specifically who to target, but who's really in those transitional phases so that I'm not wasting my marketing dollars um, reaching out to, you know, the masses when truly there's this niche group of people who've shown me that this is what they want. And I'm able to then provide that to them in a scalable way. Oh yeah. Very well said. And so was that a, did that take some work to kind of bring the organization along to that insight? Yes and no. I think everyone talks about data. Everyone wants to use data. I think what takes a while is getting the organization to understand the story. So everyone has their assumptions of what this means and what's there. Um, But it's (laughs) what we always hear. Everyone's a marketer, right? So everybody thinks they know exactly what to look for and exactly (laughs) what's there. So I think that's the part that you have to really bring the organization along with is this is what my thinking is. This is what brought me to this conclusion so that you're not getting uh, what can sometimes be those frustrating pokes into, well, how'd you come up with that? And why do you think these people want this? Or, well, I wouldn't want that. We're not talking about you. We're talking about this consumer over here who's shown us that that's what they want, right? And in this journey, you really embraced, you're kind of leading a almost a digital first mindset or strategy in a lot of the things you're doing. So talk about how that came about. It's funny that you say digital first, because that is actually kind of our overarching theme for the year is wanting to make sure that we are digital first and wanting to make sure that we approach every single problem or opportunity with the thinking of technology in mind and putting that first. So, I mean, we've heard it said time and time again that we have to meet consumers where they are. And it really isn't enough to transform our old antiquated systems to be digitally focused. We really have to start with digital in mind. So 
technology is really at the forefront of everything we're doing. And I don't think marketing should be any different. So we're really focused on meeting our consumers exactly where they are and giving them the tools they need to accomplish what they want to accomplish with technology. And how does that, so when you, as you're in this digital first mindset, you still got branches, um, members use branches mm-hmm. every day. So how does it, how does it fit? You know, how does, how does digital first kind of inform sort of an omni-channel thinking? Well, it's really about creating that efficiency. Yeah. Um, so we have technology and branches. We want to make sure that our branch staff is empowered as well. So we want them to view technology as a partner that this is helping you to get your job done. Um, I know oftentimes you hear branch employees with the fear that this technology is replacing them. That's not at all what we're trying to do. We're trying to give you the opportunity to do more. Um, So we do have ITM technology um, in our branches. We want to make sure that when our members come in, they're able to be serviced in a way where they're getting that face-to-face interaction, but that we're also seeing those efficiencies that technology brings because we're not having to put necessarily as many tellers in the branch because we can leverage that ITM technology. The branch employees that are there aren't having to take paper applications. They're able to walk them through that self-service and how to do it themselves so that they can really focus on what's more important is building those relationships and really looking for those opportunities rather than the task-based data entry um, that they would have to be doing if we didn't have that technology in place. It kind of reminds me, um, Graham Hill made the, made the really important concept. He said, tools change, but jobs rarely do. And so it, it, when you said that, it, it reminded me of his insight of, you know, you're helping your members get done what they need to get done. Your point right. about tasks. And if you can help them more efficiently, save time and all those things, that helps build member loyalty. Exactly. So you've, you kind of came up through the ranks, if you will. You had a, other roles at the, even at the credit union and then stepped into to the CMO chair based on you know, your proven ability. What are maybe three key takeaways that you would offer to other financial services marketers who, that aspire to become CMO one day? Yeah, so I did make my way up through the ranks. I started out in credit unions as a marketing specialist. So entry level, (laughs) that first role. Um, I think one of the main things that I would give to marketers who aspire to CMO is really try not to focus too much on the destination. Uh, The journey is really where you grow. Um, I've been asked before how I've managed my career to really ensure that forward progress And the truth is, I really haven't. I haven't put a great deal of thought into when I'd get promoted or hit the next milestone. Um, I've focused hard on making sure I did the best job I could in every role I was in. Those experiences are really what brought me to where I am today. So just embracing the journey. I'd also, uh, you know, I'd advise them, don't get stagnant. You know, keep learning, growing and moving forward. It's really easy to get complacent, especially in financial services marketing. Um, you start to feel like, well, I know how to do this. I do the same thing every year. I, I know my role and my function. Uh, the truth is you don't. You know, Keep looking for what's new. Keep looking for what's next. Um, and keep accepting those stretch roles. And finally, if I had to do a third takeaway, I'd really say surround yourself with a good group of people willing to tell you the truth about not only yourself, but your ideas. 
we all have blind spots, things we think are perceived one way, but are really perceived another. And anyone in leadership, whether they're an area supervisor or an executive, really needs supporters that are willing to give them a reality check and tell them when they're being a complete blockhead, when their idea absolutely (laughs) stinks, uh, just as much as they need those supporters that are going to tell them when they're being brilliant. And so if you you could uh, go back in time and sit down with your younger self, that maybe, you know, freshly minted uh, sustainability MBA, um, what advice would you give? I would say, you know, things aren't going to go as planned. <laughs> like literally nothing at all will go the way you planned it. <laughs> but really, you know, that's okay. Just because things don't happen exactly the way you envision them doesn't mean that they don't turn out right. And, you know, also don't be too hard on yourself. Some of your most frustrating moments will turn out to be the greatest rewards uh, for you. So. Yeah, I give myself that little pep talk that it's it's really not <laughs> it's not going to work the way you thought it was going to, but that's okay. Yeah, somebody described it as you know you think you're something is a straight line, but it's a it's a squiggle, or maybe sometimes it's yeah. a, it's a couple of detours, <laughs> and maybe you right. think you're going here, but you end a up over there with loopy loops. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Amber, thanks so much for coming on the Top Quartile today and giving us your insight. It's so, so great to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That's it for today on Top Quartile. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Top Quartile wherever you find podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating. And if you're interested in getting an opportunity assessment, head over to infusionmarketinggroup.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.